This week at church, Pastor Robin McKinley continues his series, Power for Life. I don't know about you, but I think we need more Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement. I think our homes need more Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on 426 Laurelwood Road in Pottstown. That's right by the Coventry Mall. Also, if this ministry has touched you in any way, please send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We're beginning our, our continuing our series on power for life. This week we're talking about, it's about pursuit. Now, we're not only going to talk about pursuing the Holy Spirit today, but we're going to give the opportunity to pursue the Holy Spirit. Now, before we get started, I realize there are people who are very uncomfortable with the whole concept that we need to have a spiritual experience. And I would hope that nobody has this type of mentality in this place, but the mentality that religion is to be private. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. Religion is to be private. I don't want to talk to you about religion. I'll talk to you about Jesus. But I want to talk to you about religion, all right? So maybe some of you are, are feeling a little bit unnerved about what are they going to make me do today? What's going to happen in this place? And let me answer those two questions for you, okay? First of all, we're not going to make you do anything. And secondly, we're just going to seek or pursue God. Some wonder if this whole thing that we're talking about is even biblical. And I'm going to go at this from just a little bit different perspective at the beginning of the message. I'm going to talk to you about a conversation that a boy had with his father. It's a 15-year-old boy. His father was the pastor of the church. And this boy went to his dad and said, Dad, I don't think this is biblical. I think the whole thing is just made up. He says, I think it's a little weird, and I don't feel good about it. Well, he went on to say, Can you prove to me from the Bible that this is a spiritual experience that we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Well, his dad got a big smile on his face, and he said, sure, you want to do that? And they did. So today, being Father's Day, we're going to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit as this dad did for his son. We're going to look at the biblical passages about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and some of the related topics, including speaking in tongues. So the first place we're going to take a look is in Acts chapter 8. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there if you want. Acts chapter 8. Now, as you read the book of Acts, the first seven chapters all take place in Jerusalem. Well, in uh, toward chap uh, well, in chapter 7, Persecution hits the church. Stephen is martyred, and the Christians begin to scatter. Well, Philip, who was one of the deacons, he was also called Philip the Evangelist, goes to the city of Samaria. 
He starts to tell the people in Samaria what he had experienced. And guess what happens? Revival breaks out in Samaria. The apostles hear about it, and they send a couple of apostles down to or over or where, I don't know geographically where it's at, to Samaria. So in Acts chapter 8, verse 14, says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Verse 15 says, When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So Philip the Evangelist has already led these folks to the Lord. They have already accepted and experienced salvation. They have already been baptized in water, according to this portion of Scripture. But there's a second thing that happens. And this is confusing to some people. But after salvation, here's what we define, or I should say Jesus defined, what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was pretty clear that there were two distinct experiences. And I know our speaker said this. I said this last week. I'm saying it again today because I want there to be clarity in our minds that we receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved, but we receive the more of the Holy Spirit, power through the Holy Spirit, in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I'm starting your notes now if you'd like to follow along. The Holy Spirit enters my life when I experience salvation. The Holy Spirit enters my life when I experience salvation. We're told in the book of John, chapter 7, Whoever believes in me, this is Jesus talking, as the scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to, uh, later to receive. So we're going to go straight from the first line to the second line. The Holy Spirit erupts from my life when I experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit erupts. It's like that, that's the moment where all of a sudden, pow, things begin to happen through us, not just in us. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Let me say this. The Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit topic, there's only one reason that we would be motivated to receive this. And that motivation is that we would have a desire to be used by God. So, if you have no desire to be used from God, by God, this is going to seem irrelevant to you. Because this is really about saying, God, do everything you want to do in me and through me. I hope that's your prayer. I hope that's where you're at today. Those watching by television, I hope that's where you're at today. 
God, do everything you want to do in me and through me. Now, I don't know about you, but I am personally hungry. Hungry for more of the Lord. I want all that God has for me. I want it all. Now, if you're a dad in this room like I am, you need something more to raise your family. If you're a parent or you're navigating your life through as a single person, young person, you need something more to face the challenges of life, more than just your own ideas. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. But not just for you, for those who are around you as well. So let's go back to this teenage son and his pastor dad. The dad takes the son to Acts chapter 2. It says, on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people in the upper room. They had heard the sound that entered the room like a violent wind blowing. There were balls of fire that came to rest on each of them. Then it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Lord enabled them. There is another event that we read about. And this other event is in Acts chapter 10. And this is in the house of a centurion. He's an Italian soldier. His name is Cornelius. The apostles believed at this time that Christianity was really just for the Jewish people. They weren't sure that Gentiles, non-Jews, could even be saved. But we know that Peter, in the chapter before, gets this vision, and he goes to the house of Cornelius. And as he's preaching to them, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The Jewish believers that had come with Peter were astonished at what they saw and what they heard. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know? Because they heard the eruption of them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now there's another passage that we can look at. This other passage in Acts chapter 19. And Peter asked a small group of people. They were a group of disciples, probably John the Baptist's disciples. They were in Ephesus. He says, what do you know about this Christianity thing? This is my paraphrase. They said, we don't know a whole lot. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? He said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, when the boy's dad was done unfolding these scriptures to him, this 15-year-old teenager said, okay, it's in the Bible. I have to admit it, it's there. Let me just pause here to mention something. I know some of you listening here this morning, you, you're getting stirred in your spirit because you've had these experiences. And 
You know what this is all about. And there's something going on inside of you right now saying, yes, hallelujah. And you're looking for moving in the Holy Spirit this morning. I am too. I am too. And then there's uh, some of you in this room, you're, you're thinking, what in the world did I come into today? You're watching by television. Curiosity has, has you today. And you're probably sitting there thinking, what in the world am I listening to? Saying, I don't know if I can believe this. This stuff is really weird. It's messing with me and I don't even know what he's even talking about. And then there's some of you that this is brand new. But you're curious about it. You want God to use you. So I want you to learn more about what's going on. Whatever category you're in, just relax. Because whatever is going to happen is up to you. Because you're a willing vessel to God. You're not a puppet on a string to God. And He will work with you, but He wants you to work in Him. Well, I'd like to tell you that this 15-year-old boy received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that day. But he didn't. Here's what he said. He said, I had to process this. It disturbed me, he said. And as he continued, he says it took five months before he actually received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I do want to report to you today, that son is a very successful pastor. Very successful pastor. So let's go to point two. Four ways the Holy Spirit is released. In Acts chapter 2, after the disciples and the rest of the 120 had this wonderful experience, look what the people that heard it reported. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. One of the ways the Holy Spirit is released is through praise. Is through praise. What did it just say in, in Acts chapter 2? They were declaring the wonders of God. That's praise. When we declare the wonders of God. The Holy Spirit is here on the earth to be able to point us to Jesus. That's his primary mission. Point people to Jesus. Anytime Jesus is exalted, the Holy Spirit gets excited. As we start to worship the Lord, we align ourselves with the Spirit's mission. And He starts to get active in us. When we begin to worship the Lord and, and in an environment like this, in church, you might sense something is happening in me. You feel more motivated. You feel more inspired. You feel closer to God. It's wonderful because the Spirit of God is responding to the praise that's taking place in this, in this place. Now, I know that I've been in services where praise has been going on all through the building, and there's been a person here and a person there, and they're saying, what's, what's going on? I don't feel anything. It's because they're not praising because they're, they're just kind of standing around, looking around, thinking, what in the world's going on here? 
I've been in, in services where I have been bogged down by something. I've said, I don't feel like praising today. And everyone is, is having a good time in Jesus. And I missed it. I just plain missed it. So when you walk through the doors of this place, check whatever's going on in your life. Check it at the door. Come in saying, I'm expecting God to move in my life. Don't matter what else is going on around me. I'm expecting, I come with an expectation. I preached that last week. Come expecting the Holy Spirit to do something in your life. In your life. Amen. Amen. Let's look what Acts chapter 19 says. When Paul prayed for these 12 disciples in Ephesus. It says, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So the next thing we want to look at, what happens within, or with the Holy Spirit in your life is, we prophesy. Let me explain it like this. Prophecy or prophesying in the Old Testament usually meant for forecasting the future. Telling something that was going to happen in the future, and that's in the Old Testament. But, and let me just say that when, when things would come to pass, we knew that the prophet was a, a real prophet, not a false prophet. But in the New Testament, prophesying is typically not about predicting things. It's about speaking life into people. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Here's how he, he describes prophecy. He says, it's, we do it for people's encouragement, for their strengthening, for their comfort. It's, it's different, though, than just coming up with a, a thought in your head and saying something nice to someone. I mean, maybe you've had this experience before, where you're talking to someone and and they have some sort of need going on in their life, or they have some sort of problem or issue that, that's going on, and all of a sudden, uh, you felt out of your spirit something come out of you. And, and when you spoke it, you heard it yourself. And, and it was really great what was coming out of your mouth, and then you wonder, where in the world did that come from? I want to tell you something. That's the Holy Spirit prophesying through you. That is what the Scripture is talking about in the New Testament. I've had those experiences. And after I've been done, I thought, whoa, I didn't even know I knew that stuff. And He will do that for us. And He'll do it other ways too. He, he'll do it other ways. He'll give us a, a word and we, and we speak it. And, and then um, you walk away thinking, I wonder if I said the right thing. And then the next time you see that person, they say, wow. What you told me was just what I needed to hear. Sometimes we don't even know that the Holy Spirit is using us. But that's what we're talking about here. It's Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement. I don't know about you, but I think we need more Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement. I think our homes need more Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement. I believe our marriages need more Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement. Acts chapter 19, it says, The Holy Spirit came on these disciples, and they spoke in tongues 
and prophesied. When the Holy Spirit is released in us to come through us, we start to prophesy. Well, the next thing that we want to talk about is the most controversial. And I'm not sure exactly why. I mean, the Holy Spirit came through the 120 and they praised the Lord and we don't have a problem with praising the Lord. The Holy Spirit came through the 12 in Ephesus and they prophesied and we don't have a problem with encouraging one another. And both of those times they spoke in tongues. But for some reason we've got a problem with the tongues. Maybe because we just don't quite understand it. And that's what we want to talk about now is they heard them speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 10. This is the Gentiles. This is us. In Acts chapter 10, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So they began to pray in a prayer language. Or they spoke in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to. This is one that we can explain. And I'll try to explain it in a way that you can understand it and you can explain it to other people. Okay? If someone asks you, what is speaking in tongues? Now, my family isn't saved, okay, for the most part. Good church-going people, but not saved. When I got ordained, my family sat in the balcony of the church of that ordination service with their video camera and what they wanted to happen happened there was tongues and interpretation of tongues and that was kind of a bragging thing to them hey listen to this they just didn't understand it but you know speaking in tongues we're told in in Corinthians that is for the unbeliever sure that gave them a talking point well, anyhow, what would your response be to if someone says, what is speaking in tongues? Well, a pastor was asked this question. Now, let me set the, the setting for you here. He went to Starbucks every morning to grab a cup of coffee. He went there that often that they knew he was a pastor because they would say, how you doing today, pastor? And they knew exactly what he drank every morning. They would have it ready for him as he was walking through the door. Well, one day, 6.30 in the morning, this pastor is standing in this long line. There's more people there than there usually is. And one of the baristas, her, her name wasn't Becky, was at the counter and shouted this to the pastor. Pastor! What does it mean to speak in tongues? I mean, you have to be deaf, or at least hard of hearing, not to hear the question. So here he is, in Starbucks, in line, and everybody is kind of turning around to see who the pastor is. Well, he said to his new little congregation, at Starbucks. Do you believe in miracles? And they kind of shook their head, yeah. Went on to say, God can do miracles, right? 
Well, yeah, they said, right. Well, speaking in tongues, he says, is simply a miracle of language. He says, God gives us the capacity to speak out in a language that we've never learned. He says, I know it sounds crazy, but God can do anything. And if we listen to what he tells us, because remember, God knows everything. He knows all languages. We can say whatever he teaches us to say, and this is what it is. It's used in prayer, and he says it's used in other ways. Well, his new congregation at Starbucks seemed to be satisfied with that answer. And that's exactly what it is. It's a language miracle. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. A language miracle. Now we're told, that that's the only place in the scriptures where we're told people understood what they were saying. Now I have heard testimonies of people who were speaking in tongues in another country, knew nothing about the language there, or if there were people from a different part of the country, say, man, I understood every word. They spoke in, in perfect whatever language it was. And I've also heard of people in other countries who spoke in tongues, and the missionary who spoke English understood every word they said, and they knew nothing about English. So it's a miracle of language. So we have spirit-inspired words in English to encourage someone else and we have spirit-inspired words that you've never studied that go straight to heaven. I look at it as a conduit. I look at it as, you know, in Daniel, we have Daniel praying, and the prince of Persia stops the prayers from, from being answered. And finally, the angel comes down to Daniel and says, Hey, your, your prayers have gone up, but they've been stopped on the way. And I believe that when we speak in tongues, praying what the Holy Spirit wants us to pray, which we have no idea what we're praying, it kind of like goes through a conduit, and the enemy can't stop it. The enemy has no idea what we're saying. It goes straight to the throne room of heaven. Uh, friends, that's power. That's power. That's power that we don't even think about when we're able to defeat the enemy in the air that he rules. We're praying in the Spirit. We're praying um, out in a spiritual language allows the Holy Spirit to pray things through us. We know that uh, the Holy Spirit will work through us as well. So there, there's this stirring up of the Holy Spirit when we worship. And then out of our lips comes praise and prophesying and our prayer language. And this, is, this becomes the gateway moment for the last one. In Acts chapter 1, before the Holy Spirit is even given to the 120, Jesus says out of his lips, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive 
power. The power of God is released. Power comes to us in multiple ways, friends. This power is usually released to us as we are used in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to close. We have known people that feel they are inferior, or I should say I have known, inferior, or they feel that they're a second-class citizen because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. There's one fellow, in a, speci uh, a specific fellow that I know, that if you start talking about the Holy Spirit, he kind of gets down on you because he's not filled with the Holy Spirit. But uh, let me tell you what this guy's number one question is when it comes to spiritual things. And I would consider him saved. How far back do you have to go before you actually sin? I don't think we should be looking back. We need to be looking forward. We need to be looking forward. So friends, being filled or not being filled doesn't make you better or worse. Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit is our helper. It's our helper in being used for the Lord. Now, like I said earlier, if you're not interested in being used by God, this is irrelevant. This message isn't for you. Unless the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and you're willing to change your thinking and your attitude.